0: Hello guys, welcome back to the SMS podcast. This is Sushruti and I'm back with Megha and because it is our podcast. Today we're going to be discussing abortion. I I hope you guys know about the recent law that came out in Texas. Uh, They passed a bill regarding the new abortion law. There are a lot of things that are covered in the bill. So before we get into this discussion about what the Texas law is, what the law in India is and what abortion and the pro-choice and pro-life debate is i want you guys to tell me what your initial opinions are about this entire discussion argument that has become very politicized in the recent times
1: after like a preliminary reading and just sort of thinking about what i believe about this i would say i definitely side with pro-choice arguments most of the time it's not that i think that pro-life arguments are completely unwarranted I understand to some extent what the premise is and I think it is like a reflection of much larger things in our legal systems and our societies where we're talking about regulating what is important for the survival of the human race. However, I do feel like autonomy is sort of of prime importance. The sad thing is that there are people who, I mean the media to one extent is very polarised when it comes to this, but um, I have heard of movements regarding moderates, who've um, worked towards seeing whether there can be a moderate pro-life, pro-choice conversation. But that's just confused things even more because um, both stand very starkly opposed to each other. And frankly, I personally think that autonomy should be valued and abortion should be legal and accessible for everyone who chooses it. Um, I personally don't even side with the arguments that you need a reason per se, that it has to be a byproduct of something heinous or uh, that jeopardizes autonomy. I think autonomy should exist, nevertheless.
2: Even I am uh, more inclined towards the pro-choice movement because, like Mika said, autonomy is something that I personally value as well, especially as a female myself. And um, so, yeah. So I think any sort of debate around the abortion bill, especially the Texas abortion bill and even the MTPA amendments that we will also be talking about is crucial to understand how legal systems perceive autonomy itself and how much importance they place over autonomy. So I think it's really important for us to have this discussion.
0: So we've already mentioned a lot of stuff that we're going to be covering, which is pro-life and pro-choice. arguments, the whole bill in India, etc. Megha, could you tell everybody what pro-choice and pro-life is? Because I feel like that's the first step to understanding abortion as a concept.
1: Right, so um, the pro-life, pro-choice debate uh, when it comes to abortion rights in particular um, has to do with valuing women's autonomy versus valuing the life of um, the conceived child. Um, so, someone who is pro-life will probably say that um, institutions are entitled to preserve life and def- and life starts at conception and therefore um, abortion should be banned and should not be allowed. That is sort of the pro-life stance. The pro-choice stance is sort of diametrically opposed which says that Uh, individual autonomy is of utmost importance especially when it comes to reproductive health and your reproductive system and therefore abortion should be legal and accessible it also um, I think the pro-choice debate sides a little bit more with contraception as well and has a little more of a role to play in those conversations but in essence these are the two sides that are considered like at the forefront of abortion rights
0: So now I'm going, kind of going to delve into what exactly was the is the law that's been passed in Texas. There are a lot of concepts even around abortion, and one of them is also called the heartbeat concept or the heartbeat law. At this point, which says that at the six-week mark, which is when a fetus develops a heartbeat, is when they are categorized as a human. So basically, it says that anything with a heartbeat that's living in in your body, which you have Conceived uh, becomes a person and at that point if you abort the fetus you are killing somebody It's the equivalent to murder at at least that's how Texas views it You guys know all of that already so I will just go on with what the uber and lyft situation is Which is one of the reasons I wanted to do this podcast According to the law anybody who is assisting a person who wants to perform an abortion Basically every doctor, every person surrounding them, even the Uber driver the and any person who knows about such an abortion taking place, uh, all of them can be punished under this law. So what Uber and Lyft did was, they put out a public declaration saying that we are going to reimburse anybody's legal costs if they are facing a suit under this law and basically if there is an Uber driver who drives a pregnant woman to the abortion facility with her knowing fully well or not knowing whether she wants to get an abortion and they are sued by the government Uber and Lyft are going to cover the entirety of the legal cost there's not one penny that the person will have to pay out of their own pocket so capitalism is a strange concept which I'm not getting into right now but usually it was people versus the government and this move by Uber and Lyft is directly a company versus government it is no longer the people who are fighting their own battles it is literally companies taking over the government has said one thing and uber and lyft are saying you know what we're not listening to you do whatever you want to there is nothing you can make us do to comply with you especially because uh, laws generally cover persons and not corporate personalities so that is kind of what the current
1: situation is do you think corporations are
0: going to control the future of america I
1: don't know whether they're going to control the future of America, but I do think that it's an interesting step. Uh, Rarely do you see such public corporations make stances like this. Uh, It has happened more in recent years, I would say. They've also taken certain um, steps regarding maternity and paternity as well, so it it sort of comes along with the, the role that corporations believe they have in family and like family affairs. I don't really know if that will be the case, but I would say that it's a good step. I think corporations getting involved makes it very serious and um, definitely progresses the conversation as more and more institutions and parts of society get involved. But I'm not really sure that they will sort of be the future in that sense.
0: i'm
2: not sure about whether corporates will be the future of america uh, there is obviously a possibility but it it is a pretty uh, great step for uber uh, to show their solidarity um and um, their opinion and how they are against the bill and the, uh, the senate senate bill as a whole right but Again, at the same time, if you look at it from a business marketing point of view, this again is a marketing strategy for their audience and their consumers and it builds their brand equity as well. So I don't know about the legalities that they would face as a consequence uh, of their views regarding abortion and their um, sort of support for uh, cab drivers and their Uber drivers. But that's I think something we are yet to see.
0: Oh, I kind of uh, disagree with you guys on this one then because I genuinely think that companies are going to take over the American country. Also, interesting fact, it is a theory that civilizations on an average last 250 years and US just celebrated their 243rd year of independence. So any move that is happening in that country from now on for the next seven years is going to be something that could have a lot of consequences. But we'll see, it's a wait in what situation. So now bringing this discussion a little bit back to abortion and India, can you Shalini tell everybody what the Indian law is and what the Indian amendment recently was? Yeah, sure. So, in India,
2: while there is under the Indian Penal Code, there is a general sort of criminalization of abortion in criminalization in the sense both the patient and the sort of practitioner do get penalized for it for sort of the abortion termination of pregnancy process. There is an exception which has been created through the uh, Medical Termination of Pregnancy Act. So, while I'll explain what the MTPA uh, te- technically says in terms of uh, what is abortion is permitted. But before that, I just wanted to say that well, like, while this act is definitely um, so much better than the Texas bill that has been passed recently, it does have its deficiencies that I think the three of us most probably will go into later on in this episode. So this was an act that was passed back in 1971. In India, the law presently is that one registered medical practitioner or an RMP can conduct uh, medical termination of pregnancy if the pregnancy is of 12 weeks uh, and um, if he's of the opinion that uh, if taken in good faith that you know there is a risk to the life of the pregnant woman or there is a grave injury to the physical and mental well-being of the pregnant woman or there is a substantial risk either physical or mental sort of abnormalities which leads to serious handicap of the fetus so these are again the the language I'm using is again words that have been used within the uh, act itself right so and um, the other time period that is that was earlier provided in the old act uh, prior to amendments was that there were uh, if it, if the pregnancy was between 12 to 20 weeks you you instead of one registered medical practitioner you will need the opinion of two med- registered medical practitioners who can undertake who will then undertake your uh, termination of pregnancy currently in india uh, abortion is not illegal and uh, especially what is notable here is that uh, post amendments, you need only uh, one RMP's approval for 20 weeks. The notable things that like law provides is that if there is, if the woman uh, alleges that the pregnancy was due to rape, was a result of rape, right, uh, then that would mandatorily it's not a um, discretionary presumption it's a mandatory presumption that it will it is a mental um, a grave injury to the mental well being of the woman And that is reason enough for the medical practitioner to sort of undertake the abortion post the amendments you have um, this failure of con- uh, contraception also applies not just to married heteronorm- heterosexual couples but applies to a woman and her partner right so either of their uh, so this applies now even to single women who might ha- whose contraception might have failed right? Uh, and just uh, the last sort of notable thing uh, with regards to consent is that Pregnant women do not need the consent uh, of their husbands. Only uh, and their consent is um, the consent of the pregnant woman to terminate the pregnancy itself is necessary, and two consent of a guardian is only necessary when it's a minor uh, or a person with mental disabilities, right? Um, So yeah, so this is the general sort of legal framework that is existing right now Uh, within India, obviously.
1: So with regard to the Bill uh, the bill Now Turned Act in India, uh, as Shalini mentioned before there are some improvements that they have worked towards. Uh, there's also been ancillary developments where the WHO has partnered with the Ministry for Health and Family Welfare uh, for a new initiative about uh, dispensing uh, evidence-based information and that um, is a good step in the right direction for India, especially when it comes to um, the right to access to information and how cd three is being taken, at least on a policy level. I think the concerns uh, uh, and sort of inadequacies are twofold. One is that they are in the, you know, the concerns regarding implementing this act, and obviously the second are with the act itself. Regarding implementation, um, COVID nineteen being one thing, there is a huge concern that because of the way in which certain provisions are drafted. Uh, a lot of cases can be left to sort of the subjective opinion of medical practitioners or a board and um, given the way in which India is a pretty sex negative society and anyway struggles with conversations regarding this especially regarding the act itself the initial sort of statement of object and reasons does seem to not carry through when it comes to certain provisions those provisions, I will just name a few. The first is the over reliance on the need for approval by a medical practitioner. This is concerning because of the fact that we're talking about reproductive autonomy of women. Well, that is a concern in itself that it doesn't include gender identities. But the fact that consent is, uh, the emphasis of consent is placed on the medical practitioner as well, is a cause for concern. Uh, The bigger thing is that uh, there is an additional element that the time frame by which a board or a medical practitioner should render their decision is not provided. And um, the last thing that I want to point out, though I do want to emphasize again that uh, a lack of including gender identity here is concerning. There's also uh, regarding gender identity a bigger question that a lot of people may assume that there should be a separate amendment because we have certain separate acts especially for transgender rights but again it was an opportunity here for them to make it a little gender neutral and that opportunity was clearly not taken into account and the last thing has to be that a lot of um, terminations beyond the 24 week period are on account of abnormalities but don't necessarily apply to uh, victims of rape which again is concerning because we talk about um, the premise of the act and its statement of object and reasons being to allow more Uh, autonomy for women and more consent-based approaches in the way in which um, it provides for reproductive health and you still have um, facets like this which are unaccounted for and something as big as this which has come up in abortion conversations across the world has somehow not made it into this act. So these are a few of the issues, the primary issues that can be seen just by glossing over the act and yes implementation is always a concern especially when we're talking about the way in which Um, social-cultural issues have been dealt with in India in the past.
0: I don't have any opinions about this per se, because the law is the law, but uh, I do feel India is far more lenient than most countries. So I do have some statistics that I want to share with everybody. During COVID-19, around 10% women have needed a pregnancy termination, with around 57% being unable to secure such services. Simply because all health facilities were co- closed because of the pandemic or they could not leave a containment zone or they had no means of transport and such situations. Because of these limitations, out of these 10% of Indian women who wanted to terminate a pregnancy, 2 out of 5 of them found other unsafe means to end the pregnancy and one third of them are carrying the unwanted pregnancy to term. 1 out of 5 are still struggling to find a way to terminate the pregnancy. So, it is now more than ever that we need a strong abortion law in India simply because the pandemic has brought a host of new challenges that pregnant women didn't face earlier. Felt like it was an interesting piece of information to share with everybody.
2: And yeah, so I think um, overall, there are a lot of issues that the MTPA has to. Uh, address and Indian judiciary and the Indian uh, legal system as a whole has to sort of address. But compared to the Texas bill, going back to that, I think we are doing so much better. And I think you will be able to sort of shed more light on that.
0: Yeah. So I am going to be talking a little bit about the comparison of how the how India views uh, people who are looking to abort and how America views them. So the first most obvious difference between the two is MTP provides for a 20 week period, plus four when necessary, and Texas only has a six weeks limit. But it's very important to know that Texas has absolutely no rape and incest, incest exceptions. So the way both these uh, bills and laws look at the women can be described as in Texas we see a woman as a carrier of life and that is her only role in life. So, a woman is born to basically carry a child to term. Whereas in India, it's more of a victim situation where everybody who's looking for an abortion is a victim. And there is a quote by Suchitra Dalvi, who is a gynecologist, who says that to to me, the provisions of the MTP Amendment Act are progressive in a paternalistic victimhood kind of way. Now when we think about the actual practicality of all of this I have looked up the costs of um, abortion in India and for the first six weeks I believe uh, you can take a pill and then later on you have to go through surgery. In the clinics that are provided by the government the pill costs around 500 rupees and uh, the surgery is 1500 rupees. I feel like it's not on me to tell you whether that's economical or not, considering being very aware of my class. But that is what the cost is. And yeah, coming back to the implementation of it, the law bars abortion once cardiac activity can be detected, right? Which is usually around the sixth week. But that is very early in a pregnancy. And there's quite a lot of women or people who have their period who do not know that they're pregnant at that point because by the time a pregnant person misses their period, they're already four weeks pregnant, according to the medical definition. So according to the Texas law, a woman, a person who gets their period would have about two weeks to recognize their condition, confirm the pregnancy with a test, make a decision about how to manage the pregnancy and then obtain an abortion. And not only that, there there are a lot of people who do not track their periods carefully or they may have irregular cycles they might not know the start date of their last period. They might be taking some medicines, which affect their period cycle. In that case, it is very possible for them to not know at the six week mark that they are pregnant. And there is also a class aspect to this that I have been reading about, where people who want abortions will always be able to get abortions. It is a matter of how much money it is going to take. So in India, although it can be considered Uh, a little steep and a little expensive. There is some amount of access that a majority of the country has to it. But um, it's an opinion, of course, that the senators and their wives and their children will always be able to go and get an abortion in another state. It is the lower class and the poor people that are going to be falling prey to this law. Because anybody who has money Irrelevant of the fact that you can literally go to a different state to get an abortion, the upper class has money to go to a different country. They can simply fly to another country, get the procedure done, and come back. To them, this sort of trip would be very extend- expendable. But for a person who is lower class and does not even have money to sustain themselves, it is them who are going to be facing the actual wrath of this law. So that's kind of how both. Nations are simply looking at the people who want to get abortions very differently. And I also know that uh, Mega and I have some personal anecdotes about this that we w- would like to talk about. So, Mega, you can go first.
1: I mean, sticking to the whole personal experience thing, obviously, class here makes a huge difference in the way in which you can access information and contraception. Frankly, it is an institutional sort of um, responsibility to be able to provide this, but of course, implementation is challenging nevertheless. On the note of personal stories, I mean, it is natural that you have conversations regarding abortion. I know we've had conversations regarding birth control and abortion quite a few times, and I've obviously had them with a lot of people in my life, and it is interesting to see how people respond. Uh, In my case, a lot of people that I've spoken to, friends, partners, have spoken about the fact that it is your choice. Uh, The confusion and I think the question that even I've always had in my mind is how much should your partner have a say in it when it's your body? And I personally have been lucky enough to get the feedback that if it's my body that's going to be affected by it, then I should primarily be the one taking the decision. Of course, after listening to what people have to say. I mean, people who I ask at least. So it is interesting that those conversations happen and I would say I'm pretty fortunate, though I can understand that for a lot of people, it's very hard to even start those conversations, let alone get a response like this. So I do hope that eventually these conversations become a little more mainstream. Uh, Apart from that, (laughs) I would say birth control is... I mean, it's kind of easy to get, not the easiest thing to get. I personally have friends in the US who literally can get anything with sort of the utmost ease at least in some states so it's always interesting to see uh, how much of an effort it takes for me to get access to something but I think things are slowly changing there are a lot more doctors and medical practitioners who are considering um, giving advice to sort of younger um, sort of people and women in particular given that given my experience as a woman So it is good to see. I think we can definitely go a long way from here. And I hope that our generation is one of the last to feel uneasy talking to a doctor or to appear about something like this.
0: So uh, funnily enough, same sort of situation that I was in. Um, I have some health conditions and generally people say that birth control helps to sort of make your period more regular and how do I explain it? It's a good medicine to take if you want to normalize your body's cycles, at least for some people. So there, there was some stuff that I have been going through for a lot of years that you guys know about. And I figured that birth control might be a good option also because safe sex. So the guy I was seeing at that, at the time that this uh, incident occurred, uh, him and I decided that we will go to a gynec and we're going to get a prescription for me. When we went there, We got into a long argument with her. She was skeptical about the fact that I was there with a guy who wasn't my father. She did not want to give me pills because she thought that condoms are good enough. I told her that there are underlying health conditions because of which I want to get birth control. And it's not only about safe sex, which is when she finally gave me a prescription. And the prescription was also for medicines that were very expensive, which I'm pretty sure she was aware of that she is, uh, you know, putting me into a sort of box where I wouldn't be able to get out of. Eventually, we decided, at least I decided not to get the medicines because I didn't trust her. To be very honest, she seemed very, she seemed like a very shady gynecologist to me. But um, the amount of judgment that I was getting from that woman that day, was absolutely insane. She was so adamant that she does not want to give a 19-year-old girl birth control. It was absolutely insane to see, honestly. And you're right, like, I hope the future generations don't have to deal with this. And it's us that have to, uh, has to normalize this conversation about sex, abortion, say sex, sexual health, etc., etc. So yeah, here's to hoping it gets better. It's...
1: It, Honestly, I've also had similar experiences, in the sense that when you're looking for birth control, frankly, you're not given too much information. Obviously, you can, if you have the privilege and the access, you can dig up and figure out where to go. But yeah, most gynecologists don't really mention birth control on their sort of roster, and it's very hard to see what hospitals have it. I remember coming across the website of, I think it was a hospital chain or something like that, and they had... um, sort of a mandate where it said I think middle age birth control and it confused me because I didn't know if I could personally go I remember sitting on customer service with someone trying to ask them saying listen I want to know if someone my age can get birth control and (laughs) obviously she was very confused whoever was taking my call Um, but yeah it, it like transpires into these really uncomfortable situations for us unfortunately and speaking of um birth control and related matters. Okay, I lost my train of thought, give me one second. Oh yeah, um, I got it. And for some reason, I don't understand why, but a doctor's sort of immediate assumption, uh, even if you don't go with your significant other, but especially if you do, is that you're trying to have unprotected sex, which is why you want birth control. And I don't understand where that assumption comes from. Uh, because I don't think that's the case, if anything, you're trying to take your side of the precaution. So yeah, that part's always confused me as to why that perception is there. And obviously, I don't think anyone is really free from the judgment, especially if you're young and unmarried in this, this country.
2: Yeah, and I'm so sorry that you guys had to go through that. But at least I'm really glad that we're talking about it right now, because it's really important, like Sushuki said, to bring this conversation and to uh, to the forefront and sort of mainstream it. Um, so yeah, on that note, uh, I thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you sort of got something out of this conversation regarding abortion. Please feel free to share your opinions and, uh, with us. And in case we missed something that you think we, we should ideally know, please feel free to share that with us as well. But yeah, thank you so much. Uh, we'll see you next week. Uh, follow us on Instagram at the SMS podcast. Until next time. Bye.